0: Three, two, one, and we are live. John Burkhart, welcome to the North Avenue Show. I am really excited to be here, Andrew. So tell us a bit about yourself. That's not a West London accent you carry. So oh, a- you know it is. I am <laughs>
1: straight up Sloaney Pony. Um, straight up Sloan Square me. Uh, no, I am Memphis through the filter of the Deep South for a very short time and then in London for 20 years. Yeah. This is this is proper Memphis, London, and my wife's from Wolverhampton, so my kids have no hope.
0: Memphis, it's uh, <laughs> not being disrespectful to your hometown. It's a city going through quite a bit of. Uh, Turbulent times. It's a lot of crime there at the moment. I, I was reading; it, it's a city has quite a lot of problems. Am I right?
1: Um, I would say like um, any
0: big city, really. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it, I would say Memphis is fighting to be um, uh, like Detroit, um, but Detroit has got this artistic renaissance. But Memphis has a music, a music edge to it that makes it a really vibrant place to visit and we're working on our we're working on the crime we're we're, i'm I'm a big fan of memphis i've just had a conference with the memphis tourist board so i i can't i really want you personally andrew to go stay with my parents and go to graceland and then you will come back and say oh my gosh i have so much appreciation for you you memphis
0: boy it's probably like it's probably like chicago the the media just builds it up and it's a lot worse than it actually is
1: i mean yes it has problems but as does chicago Chicago, New Orleans, Detroit, as do all of the big cities, but there's something magical in the air about uh, the musical heritage of Memphis and you gotta go see it. Perfect.
0: So John, tell us a bit about, you're the founder of TBC Global, keynote speaker, content strategist and enthusiast. Tell us all about those ventures.
1: Well, I I like... Personally focusing in on the enthusiast um, angle, um, that's not even on my LinkedIn. You added that. That was an ad lib, an audible, and as they say in American football, I am enthusiastic about helping brands connect with their fans um, or their audience And I will do whatever it takes to help them see the light and say, wow, we really should stop talking about ourselves and really climb into the heads of our of our fans, our customers. So if that if that means I have to do it on a keynote speaking stage where I get to kind of sweat on people, then that's what I'll do. If it's like a a workshop like I did yesterday. Um, then I'll do a brand storytelling workshop. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to help inspire people to uh, connect
0: with their audience. And what do you think the problem you're solving is?
1: Oh, man, I, I know exactly what problem I'm solving. Uh, my, uh, one of my little heroes, a guy I met at a conference called Ron Tite, uh, said in his his latest book that just came out think do say he said we don't know who to trust and we don't know where to look and that is our customer dilemma so I am helping. Customers with my messaging uh, around something I call firecracker content as well as constant curiosity. I'm helping them know where to look and know who to trust. And uh, I'm fired up about it, but it is a tough job in 2019 to get and keep attention of people who just don't care about brands.
0: It's interesting you said that. Um, there is so much bad content out there and there's so many we talked talking about before we even started the podcast there's so much brands talk about themselves and how great their product is and they don't they never think about the customer's preferences or their audience's preferences and i just i feel personally that there's so much like social media has hasn't reached nowhere near its full capacity and i just think there's loads of room there but what i do find is like i have an agency myself content and like social media content and creation like, for, say, a small, medium-sized business, it's way down on their list of priorities. Like, what do you think of that? Do you think I'm right there? I get that feeling, here.
1: Yeah. So, I like quoting Seth um, Godin, of course. Um, and he says, people don't buy goods and services, they buy relations, They buy magic and they buy stories. I think social media is one of the conduits to tell those stories, to have a little bit of real-time magic, something in the newsjacking book, which I'll talk about later, I called Urgent Genius. So I'm still really excited about social media, but I think the point that you have just brought up is the fact that, yes, it's down on the priority list because people don't understand uh, they have so many things uh, and there's, again it's where to, who to look who to trust and where to look because they think Zuckerberg is going to change the algorithm and we're going to be screwed so don't put all your eggs in the social basket and uh, like you and I have had chats about the importance of email an email list and a newsletter and I'm, I'm fired up about that as well but I still think if you get your messaging right um, it's you can express the culture the the purpose um the the feeling this little thing that seth calls magic i think a lot of the magic can come through scrolling a brand's instagram feed and and seeing if your thumb stops i i I, i'm still i'm still high on the supply of social media but i take your point it is tough out there
0: exactly especially for small businesses who are trying to establish themselves in the marketplace they're just trying to get sales they're just trying to get staff but like there is so much scope it's hard to convince these companies so like I'm just saying just say for agencies or people like us who try to help brands as best we can you really kind of need to go for the higher end brands people who do have millions not millions but they do have some money to spare and believe in what you're doing and that's the most important word I think rather than money or anything belief that this social media does work or this and as you said we are fired up about email so i think email is going to come back very very strong because that directness has been lost in the social media space what do you think about that
1: uh yeah again it comes down to data and i think we can't trust um castles that we haven't built and if we have a newsletter and people voluntarily give up their email address because they want to hear from us a like do you really want to hear from a brand well yeah if they're doing it right and and of course that those newsletters can be Curated the best of the things they found on social media so 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 the social media will will actually funnel into your newsletter. I just love the fact that we have a chance to have this weekly relationship and cut through all the noise because people miss out on your social media posts. No one sees it all, but if you could almost summarize that and just give me the highlights in a newsletter, then I will actually look forward to your newsletter
0: yeah. And John, tell us, you do a lot of public speaking, keynote speaking. Just tell us some of the events, some of the brands you worked with. Just tell us all about your public speaking career.
1: Okay. So, A, I was easily a nobody um, in the world of speaking in 2011. But then um, I started speaking at South by Southwest, spoke there sort of eight times.
0: I got you, you, sure. Tell me your... Tell me your first speaking gig. Tell me that first. Oh, I
1: love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, ad lib. Oh man, now you've been. Was it, was it for
0: free? I presume so. My
1: um, first speaking gig was, of course, for free. I, yeah. I, I, I challenge you, Andrew, to find someone whose first <laughs> whose first speaking gig was paid, and I will say those are the charlatans that you and I've been talking about. Get rich quick. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I got this real estate plan for you, and they are we're not. We're going to come
0: back to that. We're yeah, to yeah, yeah. We'll come
1: back to that. Yeah, yeah, of course it was free. Um, and it was. Wait for it. Wait for it. I think it was around my. Book, um, and it might have been at South by Southwest uh, talking about urgent genius. Mm. and might have even had um, the Bronx Zoo cobra, the one a famous social media star that right. escaped. Right. We might have had him on the pa- on the panel um, in a uh, aquarium. And
0: tell us so. Moving on, you do your your free gigs. You practice your your craft, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I don't do many free gigs anymore, just no, to no. get that out there. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet uh, you're, you're, you're trying to shut uh, yeah. me down, man. I'm a paid speaker, dude. Come yeah. on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're, an, you're an American egoist in London for free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm charging you for this, bitch.
0: <laughs> um, so you speak you spoke at some big gigs just tell us about your career now i suppose since it's developed
1: yeah yeah so yes it started at south by southwest i've loved speaking there then getting on stages at content marketing world uh content marketing conference uh private conferences for uber for linkedin google accenture uh mini bmw so i i've loved doing the private corporate gigs, and it's usually their day away, um, MTV, Channel 4, BBC. I, I love the fact that they they somehow make their, make their employees go to some country house or something and try to sort of pretend that they like each other. But then at the end, they actually realize they do kind of like each other. They just never get time to breathe. I love being that time to breathe guy to help inspire them to be better when they go back to the drudgery of their office. So yeah, I, if, if I could just do away days, I would, um, but I also do some, you know, boring corporate office
0: gigs too. But this is an area I'm really fired up about and we're going to stuck into this now. Okay. Public speaking, I think, has got a tarnished name over the last couple, the last couple of years Uh, maybe not so on the social media stuff Uh, maybe I'm wrong here property e-commerce automating life as you said the Robert Kiyosaki get rich quick and public speaking to me there's a lot of fake it till you make it type people Uh, it's easy cash as well if you get good at speaking Um, you're you're providing information there's a lot of guys creating books and other digital products and informational products like Tony Robbins stuff Uh, it's it's easier money but it's I just have question marks over some industries and in public speaking. Like, what are your opinions on this? Like, on these YouTube ads, like, everyone's public speaking or trying to sell you a seminar or a course. Like, it just it has to be clamped down in some way. And it has to be clamped down maybe by government or I, I personally think it's just, it's an area that I find a bit annoying and fascinating all at the same time.
1: Yep. So I think, I, I think the, what you've mainly been annoyed by. Is the yeah, yes, there are a lot of people that adopt this kind of um, I would put them all in this self help, um, you can do it kind of rah rah motivational stuff, but it is a lot of it is around exactly what you said, it's around man, it's simple. All you have to do is X, Y, and Z, and you'll be rich. So I I automatically think that we have to start at the end. What is the end goal there? Be rich. So anything where the end goal is be rich, and they think they can tell you in 30 minutes or less how to get there, automatically I I hear and I see uh, snake oil because it is hard. It is very hard.
0: And what I... Don't buy into these things they go to these seminars and most of all they're targeting uneducated lower lower class people that kind of might buy into this and there's no no disrespect to that yeah them, i call this
1: i think we should call this lottery ticket speaking it, it, it is that like we i'm gonna
0: he's making good bucks off
1: this oh yeah yeah totally but but it's that same mentality of go you, you can use their advice but it, it it will be as easy as winning the lottery yeah, and they don't tell you that because then
0: you wouldn't come. And there's no template for success either. Like you know, I I always find that you know when you hear different motivation speakers and even guys who made it, you only should take us maybe a small bit of their advice because you're just going to make your own journey yourself. Like realistically speaking, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not an advisor, but I'm just saying I get, I get the idea that you, you just have to do what works for you. And some people say, oh, don't you can't take out cash? You can do this. You can flip houses with no money and build an e commerce store with no money and automate the lifestyle. Like, if, yeah, just don't buy into it. And just say you have an idea and you need half a million quid to get it off of your own. You need to give 50% away. Then yeah. you have to do it if you really believe in it. I, I, what if we What if we kind of adopt this philosophy? What if we say,
1: you and I make a little pact today and say, we're not going to go to any motivational speakers where uh, you look on Amazon and you can tell that, A, there's a picture of them on the book, on their book. They have a book. Don't worry, they'll all have a book and there'll be a picture of them uh, and it'll be cheesy as hell, and th- that genre of I've just done a self-published book. There's a picture of me on it, and this is how you get rich quick. If we, if you actually read their book and you feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much depth there, then you and I are allowed to go see them. A friend of mine came into town to see Nir Ayal wrote this amazing book about sort of addictive design, um, and uh, he, he's talked with a guy on the phone. He's and he was just went to a workshop, went to a speech. It was brilliant because the guys got depth and the guys read all of his books then you go to see a keynote speech that's how I got my start people my book came out they liked it then they wanted to hear me and then I've just
0: snowballed that over seven years from there and just we talk about news jacket because I think it's a very interesting topic you wrote about and we just for our listeners John and his partner Grant Hunter yeah Wrote a book called Newsjacking, The Urgent Genius of Real-Time Advertising. I just love the way you say
1: urgent. Ah, Oh, my God. Can you say that again? Urgent? (laughs) Say the urgent genius. The Urgent Genius. I just freaking love that. I just like your accent. I might even get that as my ringtone. Man, you're not coming on to me right now. I'm, I'm sorry, Andrew. I'm just getting red, and I think I actually am coming on to you. And I, I
0: literally totally didn't okay, mean it. Let's okay, skip let's skip forward. Let's skip forward. Let's talk about your book. <laughs> Come on, sorry. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about your book. So. And give, 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 give listeners um, the run-through of News and... Okay. Real-time advertising, for, like most people might be aware of, uh, the Super Bowl, Oreo, don't dunk in the dark when the lights went out. So for listeners, it's kind of latching onto real-time trends and making great marketing. Tell me more about the concept, more about the book. Okay. So uh, I was annoyed
1: when social media came about. Uh, A, I was overjoyed because I finally... Felt there was this truth mechanism of brands uh, being truthful because the fan could instantly call out their, uh, the fact that they were being crap and like lying. So it was this truth lie mechanism that I love the real time element of it. So I started helping brands in the early days, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, come on to social media, and then just from looking at the data, as we started, kind of. Seeing, could a brand have an opinion on a current event or a news story? So, myself, uh, with the help of Alex Jenkins from Contagious Magazine, coined the term "newsjacking." Um, it's fairly well-known term now, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah it was, probably wasn't when you wrote the book. Probably. It, it wasn't. No, it wasn't at all. And it, it also has been popularized uh, in America by a guy called David meerman Scott. As well, Uh, He wrote books on real-time marketing and PR. So he helped popularize uh, the term that we created, uh, which has been great for the world. But then I think we have to – I even went to a travel conference a month ago, and there was a a newsjacking for travel. So it is still a topic, but I think we need to be mindful that it is a tactic, and your content strategy must be solid. You must not just be a reactive – we'll just react to brands whenever – react to news stories – it, the real-time element is a part of your content strategy, and that's what I've been preaching since the book came out in 2013. So yes, it has turned me into more of a content strategist and more of someone who, who helps people put the real-time element into their strategy, but not have the real-time element be their strategy.
0: And tell me this, I presume, I actually think I know a stunt that real-time advertising can be quite disgusting, brands latching onto Vulnerable situations. Was there one done about nine eleven? Oh gosh, there's hundreds. I've, 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 like brands actually try to exploit and try make nine eleven humorous to. Promote people to go to their own brand, or would be. Yeah. What's that, what's, that, what's, what's that mattresses story? Is there something called mattresses? Oh, like?
1: don't the, even mention that, Andrew. Now, you, I was from coming on to you, now you disgust me. So I'm going to have to tell you about this because you brought it up. So there is a mattress store in San Antonio, um, Texas. That, uh, in Texas, yeah. yeah. And they, uh, to commemorate uh, the Twin Towers falling, they built two Twin Towers out of mattresses. Um, and had a 9-11 commemoration sale. And the spokes lady um, announced the sale. And then she fell back. And the two towers of mattresses fell simultaneously behind her. And it was one of the most disgusting pieces of content I've ever seen. And wait for it. The shop was had to shut down. It shut down immediately. Can you imagine one piece of content shutting down a four-franchise mattress shop because of their complete tone deafness to the world? I I do have a game uh, that's like Cards Against Humanity. Uh, It's uh, around brands uh, like can you believe that the brand would do this or would they do that? And it's most of the shocking things that you would think, that
0: is a horrible bit of humanity. Most of those actually happened. And tell me, besides the Oreo, tell me some of your favorite real-time advertising stunts.
1: Okay. Um, or one of them. Be- one of them, yeah, yeah, wow. Well, this um, So if I look at... You you know, some of the ones that I mention in my keynote speeches... Like, do you know Family Guy? Yes. Okay. Do you know Peter Griffin from Family? Yes. Okay. I he reminds I me a lot of you. Now joking.
0: A, yeah. When I was in school once, a guy said I looked like Peter Griffin. So oh. that was like the worst compliment or the worst insult of my entire life. Do you realize that I just said I kind of
1: mentioned that because I'm feeling embarrassed about coming on to you. So now I'm literally kind of leveling the playing field, calling you Peter Griffin. But anyway, you yes, have never sorry, worn. Uh, how many times do you wear see through prom dresses? Probably not often. Me? Yeah. See-through prom
0: dresses. Yeah. Probably not. Only the weekends, maybe? Uh, maybe. Just, maybe actually Tuesdays. Just, uh, just, just Tuesdays, I think. Just on a Tuesday. Yeah.
1: Just on a Tuesday when you're, uh, yeah. So this is uh, Rihanna wore a see-through dress to the Oscars or the Music Awards, the Grammys. And... Um, Peter Griffin, you know how embarrassing it is when you show up to an award show and someone's wearing the exact same dress? Peter Griffin, oddly enough, was at the exact same moment was wearing the exact dress. And he let Rihanna know about it. And obviously what I'm saying here is TBS in Atlanta saw the dress on live TV and said, oh, my gosh, what if our illustrator could put a similar our animator could put a similar dress on Peter and put it out there? They did it, and Rihanna was so touched by getting to see Peter's nipples and wearing the exact same dress that she turned it into her avatar, and it lasted for nine months. I love that example, but I also love other examples. Part of the reason I work in sport, travel, and entertainment is because those kind of brands... Are the ones that people really want to see, as opposed to like a toilet paper brand creating a gamified like do you scrunch or do you fold? Those kind of horrible things aren't don't reflect humanity. I love it when when some real time content adds to the conversation and creates banter, like you and I are having across these um, these podcast microphones.
0: Yeah, for sure, we're having lots of banter anyway. <laughs> so we're going to move on to more brand storytelling. I suppose we touched on a small bit, but I'm very interested in small businesses and maybe how we could help in those businesses on this podcast. So um, what's your idea of brand storytelling? Okay. So um, I do these workshops and I always
1: start off with, um, like yesterday we did one for the movement that is uh, the camper van movement in America. We're trying to get British people to do more camper vanning um, and road tripping. And what I always do is I start off with loads of questions. It's, it's the one thing I'm not. It's an it's a acronym I call QUIET. And that's QU, questions, I, imagination, definitely not E, empathy, <laughs> and T, testing. Yeah, I'm not at all. But I, I loved it. We came up with, like in like five minutes, we came up with 72 questions. Um, which is, by the way, the average amount a three-year-old mentions uh, to their parents a day. We came up with 72 questions that British people would have around this camp about why the hell would they campervan in the United States of America, and then we applied imagination to create content ideas to answer some of those questions, and then we see cede- we saw if it laddered back to a cynical British audience. That's the empathy, and then we created content. That was the testing. You got to sometimes get quiet to be loud and make a noise, and I love that. And that—that's just one of the exercises I do. And the other is trying to decide whether that content is actually firecracker content after you've made it, and
0: that is where I, where I really get excited. And for me, brand storytelling, I just go back to the likes of Michelin, Guinness. They some of the best brands in the world of storytelling. Guinness Guinness Book of Records. A book essentially has nothing to do with a pint of Guinness. Michelin have their star ratings, which has nothing to do with tires, but they don't. So people would start conversing more in pubs, and people would start getting into their cars and wear out their tires more to visit restaurants. I find I think that's a brand story in my eyes. Absolutely. So one of, we I started the whole workshop with how
1: disgusting is this and this actually Andrew I'm going to take you to this place because I think you and I would really yes this is kind of almost me asking you out for a date I'm sorry but I want I to declined. take you I decline I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I want to take you um, to did you know that there is a Taco Bell in London I know what it was, in Colondale there's, there's one in Hammersmith, right? Not too far from where oh, we are yeah, now.
0: Taco Bell, they're such a, they're such a yank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm with
1: you. But Taco Bell in America has... I love you mention the Michelin and, and you mention of Guinness because Taco Bell look at their audience and they say, would our audience want us to have a hotel for them? A Taco Bell themed hotel hotel with pillows and and inflatable rings in the pool of their famous hot sauce the answer to that question is look at the YouTube stats look at the influencers, look at the fact that within the first month of Taco Bell opening a hotel in Palm Springs two months ago, they had an influencer rack up 10 million views of her video, which was just her and her boyfriend staying at the Taco Bell Hotel. My question for you, inspired by your Guinness and Michelin comment, is in 2019, now we face 20. I think a brand has to embrace are we such a part of people's lives where they where we could be hotelable? Could we have a hotel? Could we be like Casa Camper in Berlin and Barcelona? Camper, the shoe brand, said exactly what Guinness and Michelin said. They said, "We're not a shoe company. We're a company that values health and values design. We just happen to make shoes." I've stayed in the Camper i stayed in Casa Camper in Barcelona. It was amazing. I was just high-fiving myself at all the brand touches because they'd created a world. In 2020, I think you and I can even help small businesses create their own small little world. You told me, I can't believe you did this to me, you told me around the corner from our office there is a coffee shop that does selfies in the foam. Do you you know what I'm talking about just down the road? Which one is it, It's, It's next to the... With what used to be Sports Direct? No, oh, yeah, it, it, I'm not
0: familiar with Oh, not. maybe
1: it was Johnny. Sorry, a, I'm, I'm getting media. you confused with Johnny. Anyway, uh, that we could turn that into a brand because at the moment it is they are really, really poor. It looks like a gimmick, but you know it. It, it, we, there's there's small businesses around the corner from where you and I are that just need to figure out what they stand for in the eyes of their customer. Where is that magic? What are those stories? How could a brand actually have relations? To quote Godin again, um, I am fired up about helping brands tell their story and stand out in 2020 um, because I think they I think. The small businesses sure as hell need help, um, and a lot of it is where to focus and what to win at first. Get some quick wins under your belt, and don't try to do everything.
0: Exactly. And what I see deep into this as well for small businesses and big businesses, because there are so many big businesses bad at content and storytelling, that just say, you have a, just say you have a makeup artist, business, stay at home or hairdressing at home and you want to grow it. Well, taking pictures of your clients and look how great their hair is, that'll only get you so far. You really have to deep dive into offering maybe like a podcast or a, a YouTube show or you're interviewing influencers in the industry. Just adding that bit more rather than just taking pictures of your work. I just think for small businesses, they have a habit of maybe just putting up a post about what we're doing or this is the work we've done but I think you really need to deep dive and offer people that extra value of this is a cheap thing under market It's very effective do you know just offer yeah. that bit more advice you know
1: absolutely so what, what gets me excited and one, I, in one I'm thinking in Venn diagrams here because one of my Venn diagrams is, is where the overlap of the category the brand and the customer and the br- brands need to like let, let me just use a sports example because you and I are both passionate yeah, about you love that sports. Yeah, about sports, sports marketing is w- one of my areas so oh, let, oh, hi ho Wolverhampton way are wolves anyway um, I, I just love the fact that the brand, the football teams that are winning, including Wolves in 2019, are getting away from the green. When you when you thumb your Instagram, you don't just see green pitch highlights. Fans can go to YouTube and they can go anywhere. They can, they, they're already following people who are at the game on their smartphones, filming the goals from behind the goal. They don't need just highlights. They need what, like, for example, Borussia Dortmund were on a plane to China. They were on a plane to China and Thomas Delaney, no word of a lie, no word of a lie, Thomas Delaney was Instagram swiping while he was sleeping I've never seen anyone do this in my life. He was asleep while also still swiping. Jacob, I can't remember his name, anyway, one of his play, fellow players took um, an Instagram story of it and it was uh, it was amazing. People want to see these little bits of magic, these behind the scene things, these stories that are well away from the product but more about the world that that brand, in this case, Borussia Dortmund, um, envelops. I would love to you know do more of a small and medium size like what is your world and your world is way beyond the products that you sell oh exactly it's like
0: if Apple owned opened a hotel or Apple Apple created their own type of shoe they're entitled to do that, you know, because... They really they are. are. They're all about user experience, compatibility, comfort. So if, it if, aligns if, with their brand.
1: Yeah, if if, if Camper can, do, can be all about design and health and do a hotel and it be incredibly successful and have loads of brand touches, did you imagine Apple... I mean, I've actually started doing this little workshop exercise with a lot of brands, especially because I work in travel, so it makes sense, trying to hotel lots of brands like... North Ave. Ho- ho- let's hotel. What would your hotel look like? Let's 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 make a hotel for you.
0: Let's make a hotel for North Avenue. Yeah, North, North Avenue Media. <laughs> what would I do? Um, yeah what's the world what is your world uh, like
1: uh, you know it it is important to think about like even the co-working space that you and I work in
0: there'd have to be like a a speaker in the room so they could listen to my podcast honestly
1: yeah well that's it so how do we elevate I already know that this podcast is like your baby it's your pride and joy
0: we need to elevate mine would be millennial looking if you're an answer hotel it'd have to be millennial it'd have to be people around my own age it wouldn't be your, your traditional hotel and the breakfast like would just wouldn't be it would be more yeah, it would be very millennial. Um, I, I know. wouldn't wouldn't show, like, just wouldn't have crappy music. It would, it would probably have what well, I'm into, like, tech house music. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, would, it would be upbeat, yeah. I, I can t- – and I know you're just trying to sort of uh, – I spotlight, but I just had to answer a question. because no, I'm probably glad interest, you did.
1: But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, um, you're also uh, dividing the room a bit because you know I am not a millennial, and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry for coming on to you, and, and you don't go, want to go to Hot Taco Bell with me. You just want to <laughs> stay with your own company. I'm cool with
0: that. <laughs> um tell us constant curiosity. Yep. It's a concept you use in your speech or your public speaking gigs. What is it? So
1: I I unpack all of the different meanings of curiosity. And uh, there's a couple of main types um that I think it's important. There's the kind that was embraced in the newsjacking book, which is um which is I call it squirrel um curiosity. It's like the Schadenfreude like uh clickbait like, oh my gosh, get my attention quick. But sometimes when you read that tweet that you got the attention and then when you watch the video that it would link to it, you're like, ah. Uh. That's just someone just trying to get my attention quick. And then there's the owl curiosity, which is a little bit more considered and thoughtful. And I think you need to have the real-time squirrel, but also something that is a little more considered. I unpack the different types of curiosity and the curiosity gap. I think it's really important to understand that... Things that I know nothing about, like you started waxing lyrical for some reason about health care, health and beauty. Uh, I know nothing about that. So I I, I don't I'm not even curious about that. But if there's something I know just a little bit about, uh, then it's piqued my curiosity um, and and there's this gap and I want to fill that gap. But if it's so far from me and I'm basically helping clients know where the curiosity gap is it's got to be something that's a little bit relevant to stuff they care about and their customers care about and then we go a deep dive on how to really come up with concepts for content that appeal to that curiosity Um, and the constant thing is about change the only thing that's constant in this world is change so so with a with a constant curiosity i actually help you come up with strategies to stay on top of things to know what are those categories and topics that your customers know just a little bit about, but they'd really love to know more and they'd love for you to tell them.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. I want to ask you one question before we leave it. Public speaking, obviously, you're in front of a lot of people on different weeks, what was the worst experience? Were you ever like called out rudely in front of someone or did someone ever question your topics and anything like that ever happened to you? Because I know some people, they have kind of that one public speaking point that it was just like, it was tough.
1: Yeah, that's really good. It's, that, that's actually quite um, quite a low blow, low personal question because this is, believe it or not, in seven years of speaking, this has literally just happened last week. Okay. In Copenhagen. And I was like, what did I do to deserve this? And I thought, oh my. I was doing my beer note. So this is where I go to a conference, I show up early. I stay late, I listen to all the speakers, I summarize all their themes, tops, tips, and tricks, and i drop three points about curiosity that I weave into it. So it's, a, it's almost like a synthesis and a celebration of a conference. I was doing that, things were going swimmingly, and then all of a sudden I thought the organizer had sent in one of his minions to shut me down essentially what I'd done is I'd created such a great atmosphere somehow just by summarizing other really smart, brilliant speakers. Um, there was alcohol flowing cause it's a beer note. Um, and I just assumed this guy was there to shut me down in the reality. He was just a really enthusiastic guy that latched onto some of my football examples. And he had this crowd pleasing group exercise that he thought would be really appropriate. I a, 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 and, and I ended up getting him to do the little dance-off at the what, end. What did he do? Oh, uh, do you want to know? Yeah. Oh, my God. He he trains the same age young people that I do. I train my boy's eight-year-old foot, yeah, football, football soccer team, and he got everyone to stand up, and uh, and he did this, like, spinny dance thing with your hands in the air, uh, and they were chanting the name of the conference, and he just got everyone excited. and and it actually worked i just totally didn't see it coming and i think what I, the lesson i want to impart on you and anybody who wants to be a speaker is let let things ride and and try your best not to be so paranoid that people are out to get you because the reality was he was doing a good thing i just automatically assumed that i'd gone over time and and he's trying to shut me down i mean the reality was it was brilliant
0: it looks like you look way too much into it because that sounds like a wonderful thing. He got the crowd going for you. You didn't have to do it.
1: Yeah, I guess I just didn't expect it because that was my like, job. He was, that he was, was my job. He didn't
0: insult your <laughs> your intelligence.
1: No, I, I think a lot of it was because I didn't understand. I'm sorry, this might be a swear word. I have to. I didn't understand his thick Danish accent, and he was getting them to say the name of the conference, and then um, f yeah. Hmm. But I thought it was. I thought he was getting people to say f you but it was F yeah <laughs> do you know the difference between F yeah and F you right. it's
0: huge don't you think yeah I, I, I guess so <laughs> right John Burkhart it has been a pleasure talking to you great chat um, thanks for coming
1: on the show Andrew man thank you for having me I, I really I enjoyed love talking into big microphones with you
0: yeah no very enjoyable I hope you enjoyed the show and thanks again we'll chat soon we will thank thanks.
1: You. have a good one